The following program contains violence, disturbing imagery, nudity, and oh my god, why are you even watching this? Just run away. This shit is going to give you nightmares. For real. Nightmares where you are running naked on a treadmill made of razor blades, and your third grade teacher is pointing and laughing at you. And even if you survive the treadmill with your feet intact, she is going to tell you that you flunked the third grade, which negates all the rest of your achievements. The program is rated TVMANSFWOMFGGAFTTVBYGAS. It is unsafe for epileptics. It kills lab rats. Why are you still here? This show came out of the dark recesses of a coked-up guy's mind who has just been given too much privilege and access and now just takes a depraved delight in disturbing and scaring you. In fact, if we're being totally honest here, the original creator never expected a third season pickup, so now he's just trying to think of creative ways to kill the characters off. Seriously, don't watch this. We can't warn you strongly enough. Do you need a doctor of some kind? What is the matter with you? Welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Xavier Host, and today we have two awesome contestants ready to compete for ultimate slacker prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. The show today is our third annual Halloween Spooky Special Spectacular. This very special episode is one that I've been looking forward to for a while now, as the judges and I are big fans of Halloween and love to celebrate reminiscing about the holiday as we experienced it in our youth. There's something here for everyone, I hope. But seeing how it is a very special episode, please don't expect to hear any sort of moral lesson about underage drinking or tales of Greg Brady puffing on cigarettes for the first time or avoiding caffeine pills at Bayside High. I'm so excited! I'm so scared! No, this is our Gen X tribute to all things spooky, scary, and fun about Halloween. So if you like reminiscing about Halloween TV specials, like It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, horror films like Silence of the Lambs, or just celebrating the creepy time of year that Halloween brings, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like. We're going to save the spooky pop culture nostalgia of Generation X from being forgotten today with these two Halloween-loving Gen Xers as they share their memories of life growing up during Generation X. Let's give a very quick hello to each of them now. First, let's welcome to the show a first-time guest Gen Xer who informed the judges that because she has red hair, it grants her the superpower of being able to make her own vitamin D, and since she can't go out in the sun, told us that the ancient Greeks believed that red-haired people could become vampires. When we found that out and had the potential vampire on the show, we knew we picked the right person for the episode. Please welcome to the show, Lori Colwell. Hi, Lori. Hi. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Let's also welcome back to the show, Lori's husband, a Gen Xer who could not think of a single Smith song to save his life the last time he was on the show. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Oh my God. Please welcome back to the show, this charming man, Stephen Cox. Hello, hello, everybody. And I will also say we actually have a nephew who is convinced to this day that Lori is an actual vampire. Yeah, this is a true story. <laughs> no, he still thinks he he's still like, thinks it. He's like yeah. 12. Yeah, hanging he on still to it. Think, yeah, he still thinks that. There are worse things to be thought of than a vampire, I'm sure. True. Yeah. 
Stefan made that disclaimer you heard at the top of the show and is an insanely talented songwriter, musician, and voiceover artist. We're lucky to have both of you on the show tonight. Thanks to each of you for making time to be here tonight. Well, we're very grateful to be here. And I will mention that Lori wrote that. that, I, is, that I did. I'm the rapper. She's the DJ. I think is how that goes. Yeah. We put it out as a YouTube video and it got like a hundred thousand hits or something. Something like that. It, it, yeah. It's like one Surprised of our, us. sometimes it's late at night yeah. and we have some drinks and then we write some things. These things happen. That's they do what happen. happens. Yeah. That's what we do for fun. Well, thanks for sharing your fun with us. But before we start the show, let's give a quick overview of how we play the game. The show is broken up into three rounds of trivia and games. Whoever has the most points at the end of round three will win a chance at today's Rat Slacker Prize. As a bonus to this episode, we are giving each of you a whatever lifeline. If at some point during the episode you feel that you're somewhat apathetic about answering a question, you can use your whatever lifeline and you will get a clue that can help you answer the question. Whatever. We normally do this with our live studio audience, but since we didn't gather one for this episode, you can appeal for a clue from either our producer, Robin, or our one-time guest host and my wife, Suzanne, who's joining us on the episode. The Power Struggle. We kick off the show tonight with a game we call The Power Struggle. And in this game, we'll play for you five quick clips from Generation X, and you need to name those five clips in the order that they were played. These are all from something Halloween-related, or at least spooky adjacent. At any time during the episode, contestants can interrupt the game and declare that they want to solve the power struggle question. They only get one chance to answer it correctly, and if they are correct, then they instantly steal the power from their opponent. And as an added wrinkle to the game, if you solve the power struggle, you will be now awarded a whopping 20 bonus points to your score. We'll play the clip a couple of times during the episode, so listen close and see if you can solve the power struggle. Here is your first listen for the episode. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. But I've got chocolate sweeties for monstrous chocolate flavor. Well, I've got berry flavored sweeties for monstrous strawberry flavor. Say, ah! Now spit! Round one. Hey guys, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the first game of the show. This is a game we call the Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. The facts of life. In this game. You gotta go and show you. Gr- Sorry. Sorry, yeah, no, we're going to do this a lot. Interrupt we burst into song. We just do. We, we'll try not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in this game, we take facts about a topic and players take turns to identify them on the list. An incorrect answer gets you a strike and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power. The power. Which allows the player who has it to make all the choices in the game first and wins eyes for as long as they control the power. Hi, Stephen King here. I went to the far wall in my imagination with this book. It's full of terrible beings and and, uh, some that I hope that you'll you'll come to love. It's a long story with a really simple idea. It's about a boy and his dog on a life or death quest in another world. Whether you're a Stephen King fan or not, chances are you're familiar with his work. It's pretty hard not to be. Even if you've never read any of the horror author's stories, you almost certainly have stumbled across some of them on screen. It's nearly impossible to overstate how influential Stephen King is. In a career so far spanning 50 years, his books have sold more than 400 million copies worldwide and have been regularly snapped up for TV and film adaptations. As a brand name, King is almost as prolific on screen as he is on print, with at least 60 movies and 50 TV shows to date. 
many of which have become cultural icons. Stephen King's work has been adapted so many times that it is impossible to find a single underlying thread of all of his film adaptations. Sure, a lot of them are horror, but that's largely because of the boom period of King's movies was in the 80s when he was solely known as a horror writer. And that is why we chose to give him the spotlight on this Halloween special. This Facts of Life list is a head-to-head challenge of media based on the works of American author Stephen King. I will give you the title, and you need to tell me if you think it is an adapted work of Stephen King, or if it's not. It's pretty simple. The list rules are that all correct answers are adaptations of King's collective works that include things that he has written for the page alone, or for the screen directly, or other formats such as screenplays, teleplays, comics, and audiobooks. These works include items attributed to King himself or by his pseudonym, Richard Bachman. We have 69 titles on the list. On your turn, you will give me a number and I'll read the corresponding title to the number you gave me. An incorrect answer will give you a strike and the first to get three strikes loses the round. If nobody strikes out after 10 titles are read, then the player with the most points wins the round. Wow. 69, you say. (laughs) That's a lot. I say. Quite often, actually. All right. (laughs) The last rule is that we have hidden an X-rated movie title somewhere in the list. If you can find it and get the correct answer, we will remove one of your strikes. Many of King's titles sound like they could be from porn titles, so this might be more difficult than you might think, but will certainly make the game more fun if you keep this in mind. (laughs) We played a spooky game of Ghosts in the Graveyard backstage to determine who goes first, and after the judges spotted the ghost... Stefan got tagged before they could make it back to the base, which means Lori will go first. Lori, please get us started. 13. Number 13. The show is called Child's Play. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Is that a Stephen King? No. The doll, right? Yes, Chucky. And yeah, Yeah, I don't believe I don't think that is a Stephen King. You're correct. It is not. Well done. He did a lot of drugs, but I don't think he did enough to to have written Child's Play. (laughs) Just wanted to mention that uh, that doll has red hair. Uh-oh. And it's and it's, uh, it's gingerist. I'm sorry, but yeah. it's you know it's all freaky clowns have red hair. I think there's a I'm trend there, a Lori. Trend. Yeah, well done. Red haired people are scary. That's what it means, right? <laughs> okay, Stefan, what number would you like on the list? Let's do ten. Number ten. There's a little movie called Pet Cemetery. Don't think about doing it, Lewis. The place is evil. Sometimes that is better. Yes, that is a that is definitely a, a Stephen King. He wrote it and he also starred in it or was an actor in it, at least. That is correct. Well done. That's one point for you. Did you know that the Ramones went to uh, Stephen King's house and then they wrote the song Pet Cemetery" in 25 minutes? I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. Oh, now he's going to have to pay uh, royalties. Oh, that. no. Sorry. Leave that out. Sorry. Leave that out. Yep. Leave that it's out. okay. We're Gen Xers. We're rebels. We do what we want. Lori, back to you. Give me a number. 23. 23. The movie is called Swamp Thing. Oh, I'm sorry. It must hurt. Does it? Only when I laugh. (laughs) Not Stephen King. Not Stephen King? Not Stephen King? That's correct. That's right. Yay. Swamp Thing, of course, was a, I believe, a DC comic book. Right. Uh, Yeah. But that movie's rad, though. If you've ever seen that movie. Stefan, back to you. What number are you going to give me? I'm going to demand that you play a Bill and Ted bumper after I say 69. 69, dudes. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was an itch I needed to scratch. The name of the movie is called The Party at Kitty and Studs. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's the X-ray. Oh, my God. Yes, it is. Is that is that the porn? That is the porn. Pow! <laughs> Love it. Why did I guess that? That was definitely not a Stephen King movie, but it was the Sylvester Stallone. <gasps> yes, the Italian he... Stallion. Yes. Right. right. Yes. Retitled the Italian Stallion uh, after he made it big, so to speak. <laughs> he was in a porn? He was in a porn. No. This is like soft, softcore kind yeah. of movie where there's lots of boobies in it. Gross. Playboy magazine, September 1978. Playboy. What about that porn film you were supposed to have starred in? Stallone. I was starving when I did it. I was desperate. You know, when you're hungry, you do a lot of things you wouldn't ordinarily do. The producers would like to remind you that if the frank portrayal of sex offends you, please do not attend this film. Italian Stallion. Rated X. No one under 18 admitted. You don't have any strikes, Stefan, so you don't get to lose a strike. Right. So if he gets a strike, it doesn't he doesn't get it. What we're making there? up the rules. I, I over wasn't here. paying attention during that the rule reading. Yeah. So did we mention uh, that we're also the ADHD twins? Oh my god. We're Such good. terrible middle-aged ADHD. Yeah. Middle-aged? We've always had it. No, I was gonna say it's just gotten worse. Let's make <laughs> yeah. up rules as we go. I, very I, I on brand for the show. Su- Suzanne's nodding. We're getting a nod from Suzanne. It's Gen X. We do that kind of thing. We do right? what we want and then we say whatever. Come on. Okay, Stefan, you have negative. Negative one strikes. Lori, you have zero strikes. Lori, you're up. Uh, I was going to say 73, which is. <laughs> <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night. Drive safe. Hello. Good night. Yeah. 52. 52. It's from a television show. Think closely. TV show is called Chips. Not Stephen King. That is correct. And I would John. love Ponch to see John. a Stephen King adaptation of Chips, though. I would mm. love to see that as well. The place where they used to eat Tito's Tacos, Tito's tacos. is the best tacos in, in Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. And if you go to Los Angeles, you have to go there. It's yep. like right under a freeway. It's yep. so they, good. You have to go. You have to it's go. It's so good. It's inexplicably good. It shouldn't work. The meat's kind of gray. And, and the, the <laughs> salsa is basically like this weird gazpacho puree. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. Yeah. Who would have mm. thought tacos under a freeway would be uh, so good, huh? Okay, Stefan, back over to you. Give me a number. 21. 21. The movie is The Shining. Here's Johnny. <laughs> well, yes, obviously that is a, uh, it's based on a Stephen King uh, book. That one was a layup. You're correct as well. Stephen King famously did not like the movie version of The Shining. I've heard that as We've well. We've been doing our research. Yeah. So four more, no strikes. If there's no strikes in the round, I guess Stefan wins because he has negative one strike. He has the reverse strike. Yeah. Yeah. The anti-strike, <laughs> if you will. Lori, can you stay strikeless? Give me a number. I'd Let's see. Probably not. 27. 27. The movie's called The Dead Zone. Don't you see how clear it all is? Not only can you see the future, I can change it. Yes, Stephen King. Yes, Stephen King. Question mark. That is correct. Well yes, done. Yes, Stephen King yes, exclamation Steve- point. Thank you very much. Stole the words out of my mouth. <laughs> you were going to say that, I was so say I said that. it. Yeah, thank you. Nice. No strikes. This game might have been too easy. Let's see. Back to you, Stefan. 33. 33. The movie's called Groundhog Day. Bang! <laughs> no. No is also correct. Well done. Back to you, Lori. 49. 49. The movie is called The Running Man. Hey, kill him! Here is Sub-Zero, now Plane Zero. The Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle, The Running Man. I feel like anything could be a stick. You know, he's such a prolific writer. I don't, 
I'm going to say not Stephen King, but it could be not Stephen King. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. You know what? Somebody had to lose. That would have tripped me up as well. Yeah. And and when you said that it starred Arnold Schwarzenegger, I was like, there's no way. But yeah, yeah, I I would have guessed. My mind went to the dance. The the same. We were both totally like, you know, ice ice baby over here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Running Man was based loosely on the novel of the same name published under the pseudonym Richard Bachman. So that was a bit of a curveball. That's one strike yeah. for you, Lori. Back to you, Stefan. Can you stay strikeless? I don't know, know but uh, let's try. 55. 55. The movie's called Alien. It's got a wonderful defense mechanism. You don't dare kill it. No. He said with a lot of confidence, and rightfully so, Yay. not a Stephen King vehicle. So, Stefan, you're going to stay negative one strike no matter what. Okay, Someone had to lose. And unfortunately, it was you this time, Lori. That means, Stefan, congratulations. You have won round one. And that means you have the power. The power Yay. is yours. You've got the power. It's getting, it's getting kind of hectic. It's getting, it's getting. Honestly, you're going to have to pay so many BMI royalties after this show. Just cut it. Just, <laughs> just, just cut, cut it. every cut it every yeah. instance of us singing like the gym teachers from Saturday Night Live. Just, Which is just what we it. are. Yeah. If you see us in person, that's who we are. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X here on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Gen X and what might potentially disqualify you from being Gen X? Please welcome to the show, Lori. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. And please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked me that. I was uh, the first child in my second or third grade class whose parents got a divorce. That's one of my qualifiers. Very Gen X. You're an early adopter to the rest of us. Exactly. And then I moved to a different state with my mom and everybody's parents were divorced. So it was like, oh, cool. I then became a latchkey kid in traditional Gen X fashion. When MTV came out, we didn't have cable. So I would go to my friend's house and we would tape videos onto a VHS tape, making a VHS mixtape of videos for me that I could take home and watch when I wasn't at her house. Right. That's the next level of mixtape right there. Yeah. His mother is actually the only person that I've ever known who knew how to program a VCR. Including programming the the, the clock. Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't believe watched. it. There's no way. None of our parents could ever program that VCR clock. I once got carpal tunnel syndrome playing the game Pitfall. <laughs> Maybe I should just stop right there. I think you've established. I think you're well established. Here's my non-Gen X things. For some reason, I never saw the the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High until I was in college. So I missed every reference. Everyone was like, oh, Spicoli in hand and whatever. I didn't get it. The internet became a thing when I was in college. And I, being the Gen X Luddite that I was, said, no, thanks. That's not going to catch on. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fad. It's a pad. Don't These issue me an email. I won't use it. Series of, of, of tubes and wires. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My final one is I never snuck out. Not once. Not ever. I had the strictest mom in the world. And so all the independent Gen X things people were doing, I did not do any of them. <laughs> 
You were a queen wow. teen, right? I know. I never had one drink till I was 30 years old. I was I was the guy who started her drinking. I I, I honestly, I yeah, that, that keeps me awake at night. Yeah, it's terrible. I was the most straight-laced kid imaginable growing up. And even I snuck out, Lori. So you got me beat. I did the whole thing where I put like dummy head in the bed. Like I, I Ferris Bueled my parents growing up. I put a, a fake dummy in my bed and like snuck out the window. I did the whole thing. And I was so disappointed when it came back and like, no one checked on me. So thinking that my parents would ever check up on me as a Gen X kid. That's the thing. And that's actually one of my Gen X bona fides is I was one of those kids who stayed out until sundown every weekend. And your parents didn't know where you were. Nobody knew. This is before cell phones. You know, every summer you're just there from like sunup to sundown. They're like, get out of the house. And they just figured you'll come home eventually. Right. <laughs> Unless, you know, you get a call from one of the neighbors a couple of days later. Hey, where's your kid? You figure you're going to come home. Yeah, that was not my experience. My mom always knew where I was. Yeah. Yeah, I have a true uh, story real quick, just to interject. One of my buddies, we would hang out a wee hours of the night and his mom called my dad looking for the kid and show you how little my dad cared about my whereabouts. She's all <laughs> frantic with the phone call. And my dad said to her, well, he's either on his way home right now or he's dead in a ditch somewhere. Either way, you can't do anything about it. So might as well just go to bed. How many siblings it. did you have, Zabe? Four. Oh, see, so yeah, you were an wow. extra. Yeah, they, okay. they could afford to lose one. It'd be just yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, one of the things that we did when we would disappear all day was we had BMX bikes, right? And then you would make ramps for those BMX bikes and then you would crash off of those bikes. That sounds totally safe. Oh, scars for life. I, I still have some yeah. of them. With helmets, right? And pads. We didn't, no. there was no real consideration for our safety. We rode in the back of pickup trucks with no restraints mm -hmm. at all, uh, yelling our heads off, um, rode in the car belt with no seat belts, uh, everybody smoking, windows rolled up. Uh, in high school, uh, I wore Drakkar Noir and drank Bartles and James. I was not a queen team by any stretch. Um, I was a DJ on our high school radio station uh, where we played bands that you could not hear anywhere in our area. Everything was like top 40 mm -hmm. radio or classical or shut up. Right. So like David Silver from 90210. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or Christian <laughs> Slater from Bring in the Noise or but what, what, yeah. the, what, what, uh, what was the name of the volume? Film? Pump, pump up, up the, the volume. volume. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, you know, we play the Smiths. We play the Cure. We play Dead Can Dance and Tones on Tail and all these bands that nobody had ever heard of. Um, my disqualifiers are I didn't watch MTV because we didn't get cable where we were. Oh. We live kind of out in the boonies. Um, and so like Lori, what I had to do is go to friends' houses and tape things, or we watched the poor man's, you know, MTV, which was of course Friday night videos. videos. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. <laughs> and, and really all they ever seemed to play was Rockwell's, you know, somebody's watching me. That seemed to be the only video that they would ever play. Uh, I never owned a pair of Doc Martens. Lori, I think is wearing a pair right now. So there you go. Judges, do these contestants have the proper credentials to continue to be on the show? Well done, guys. You can stay. Yay. <laughs> oh, good. Before we start round two, let's take another listen to the power stroke. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. But I've got chocolate sweeties for monstrous chocolate flavor. Well, I've got berry flavored sweeties for monstrous strawberry flavor. Say, ah! Now spit! Round two. Round two is a game called Eight is Enough. 
In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for a partial correct answer, if they can <laughs> convince the judges for it. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. The judges require that all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect they may be. So if you say some form of, I don't know, here on the show, then you will lose a point and get slimed. Mm. All right. Whoever has the most points at the end of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that you'll be playing for in this episode. Stefan, you have the power. You get to pick between these two questions. Will it be damn good coffee, which is a television question? <laughs> or will it be cheated out on tricks or treats, which is also a television question? My powers of deduction lead me to believe that the first question has to do with Twin Peaks, which would be very appropriate uh, for us since we live in Twin Peaks territory here where the, the show was filmed. And the second one is probably about the Halloween special, the Charlie Brown Halloween special, which I just watched last night. So I'll take number two. No, take number one. <laughs> I'm taking number two. No. You'll get number one. Okay. Yeah. This question is called Cheated Out on Tricks or Treats. The first of its genre, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, was the first major Halloween special to air annually on broadcast TV and was highly influential on what we think of as the Halloween season for boomers and Gen X. It was broadcast every year, starting with its debut until 2020, when it became an Apple TV Plus exclusive. Here's your question. For how many years did It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, air annually on Halloween? Was it A, 33 years, B, 44 years, C, 53 years, or is it D, 69? 69, dudes! Years. <laughs> so the years that it aired uh, annually on ABC. Well, I'm pretty sure that it debuted in either 1968 or 1969, as did I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with 53. 53 years? Correct. Well done. Yay. I know I said there'd Thank be no math in this episode, but <laughs> yeah. how was. dare you, sir? How dare you? <laughs> After the special aired for the first time in 1966, sympathetic children around the country reportedly sent candy to Charlie Brown, although I'm sure some jerk also sent him a rock. <laughs> I got a rock. <laughs> Great. Now we can't use that sound clip, Lori. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this question's for you, Lori. It's called Damn Good Coffee. In 1990, David Lynch gave us the iconic and otherworldly whodunit called Twin Peaks, which remains an influential force in pop culture with its surreal blend of mystery, small town intrigue, and unforgettable characters. Twin Peaks redefined television storytelling in the early 90s. Pivotal to any small town murder with supernatural overtones is the local diner where info, drama, and coffee can always be found. What is the name of the local institution and hangout where much of the action in Twin Peaks unfolded? Is it A, RR's Coffee House? B, Double R Diner, C, Rhoda's Red Cafe, D, Railroad Crossing, or is it E, The Peach Pit? <laughs> the answer is B, Double R Diner. That is correct. Well done. <laughs> Can we mention also that they actually really do have damn fine cherry pie? The name of the actual diner is Tweed's. Tweed's Cafe. First of all, if you're ever in the area, we'll give you a tour and we'll show you Rhonda's Bridge. We'll show you Snoqualmie Falls. The we'll show you the lodge. The sawmill. It's so amazing. It's phenomenal. We love giving the tour. But actually, genuinely very good coffee and genuinely very good pie. So I had a whole thing here in my fun fact. 
and you just covered every single thing point by point of what was going to be in my fun fact. Oh, From no. tweets oh, I, no. to cherry pie oh, no. to all of it. Well done. Oh, no. Just cut, out, cut us just, out. Just cut and, us out and, and do, your, do your, your fun facts. I, I'm so sorry. I 100% guarantee it's more entertaining to hear you talk and say those fun facts than me. So we're going to move on. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Two points for you, Lori. Stefan, you still have the power. You get to pick between these two questions. Will it be something evil's lurking in the dark, which is a movie question? Or will it be fava beans? <laughs> nice. Nice. Very nice. Uh, so the first one I'm going to guess is about the Michael Jackson thriller video. And the <gasps> second one, I believe, is about Silence of the Lambs. Which would you prefer that I take? Oh, you're so nice. Yeah. Take thriller. Okay, I'll take the thriller video. <laughs> Something evil's lurking in the dark. It seems pretty much impossible to talk about Halloween without talking about Michael Jackson's thriller and the iconic music video that went with it. I swear that this song will still be playing at Halloween parties 100 years from now, though by then it might be called Amazon.com spooky season or whatever. <laughs> but my point is that this song has and will continue to stand the test of time. And a lot of that can be credited to John Landis, the director of the music video. But the choice to collaborate with Landis was a purposeful one for Jackson. Here's your question. What classic comedy horror film written and directed by Landis inspired the story and costuming for the thriller music video? You clearly know it, Stefan, but for the listener's sake, let's sure, sure, sure. do yeah, multiple choice. Is it A, An American Werewolf in London? B, Twilight Zone, the movie? C, Here Come the Monsters? D, The Rocky Horror Picture Show? Or is it E, the Kentucky Fried movie. You can't scare me, you bastard. Take him to Detroit. No! No, not Detroit! No! No, please! It is American Werewolf in London. And actually, what's really cool is when you watch the transformation scene that uh, David Naughton's character goes through with when he turns into a werewolf, um, you can tell exactly where Landis and, and Michael Jackson got a lot of their inspiration for the thriller video, in my humble opinion. That scene is gorier than you would it think. It is. There's a lot. Right. There's, there's actually a lot more wetness yes. <laughs> in the Gross. movie version. There's, there's more slime involved. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Well done, Stefan. Only four American work permits were requested by the British government for the production of the movie, one for the director, one for the makeup artist, and two for the lead actors. The first three work permits were granted without question, but they questioned the necessity for a work permit for actor Griffin Dunn, claiming that there were already plenty of young American actors living in Great Britain who could portray the role of Jack. It was only when Landis threatened to rewrite the script and re retitle the movie An American Werewolf in Paris that the Brits finally relented and handed over the work permit. For anyone counting, I believe that makes the score America 2, Great Britain 0. <laughs> <laughs> As always, we'd love to hear from our two British listeners and see what they have to say about this. <laughs> so that's two more points for you, Stefan. Moving to you, Lori. Your question entitled Fava Beans. <laughs> People want to hear my slurping noises too much. On the, and uh, nice candy. <laughs> Released in 1991, The Silence of the Lambs introduced moviegoers to the iconic, intelligent, and utterly terrifying former serial killer of Hannibal Lecter, portrayed by Sir Anthony Hopkins. The film's unique blend of horror, suspense, and police procedural elements not only earned it five Academy Awards, but also reshaped the thriller genre. Here's your question. When Senator Martin's daughter is kidnapped by the serial killer Buffalo Bill, the FBI becomes desperate to catch him and offers the imprisoned Lecter a deal in exchange for information. What fake name does Hannibal Lecter give Senator Martin? This is Ooh, a multiple that's choice. That's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, this one's more difficult. Is it A, Johnny Kind? B, Lewis Friend? C, Edgar Love? D, Harvey Budd? 
Or is it E, just simply Dave? Dave's not here. That's hard. <laughs> hmm. I think it's Lewis Friend. The correct answer is Lewis Friend. Wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) Wow. That's really impressive. Did I know something you didn't know? I would have had a (gasps) trickle of sweat going down my- The trivia master. Very impressive. Most impressive. It it is also my understanding that, and and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Dave, because you're the trivia master. I don't believe Hannibal Lecter actually ever says the words, hello, Clarice. Is that correct? Yes, he did not say hello, Clarice, but that's always the line you hear. It's just like the whole Darth Vader bit when he said, Luke, I'm your father. Never said it. Never actually says that, but that's right. the line most people quote. Well done. That was a Mandela effect. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, here's your fun fact, though. Lewis Friend is later revealed to be an anagram for iron sulfide, also known as fool's gold. At 24 minutes and 52 seconds of screen time, only 21% of the film's runtime Anthony Hopkins' performance is the second shortest to win an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role. I hope he celebrated with a nice Chianti and absolutely nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Suzanne, can you give us a scoring update? Yes. So Stefan is leading with nine points. And Lori's just one behind, still within range with eight points. Woohoo! Go me! Yeah, go you. (laughs) Stefan, you get a pick between these two questions. Will it be, are you there, God? question mark which is a book question or will it be ouch which is a movie question so we're going judy bloom or et so i think i'm gonna go et let's make one thing clear if we're following the die hard is a christmas movie rules then et definitely counts as a halloween movie In 1982, the world fell in love with Steven Spielberg's wrinkly little alien just looking for a way home. This movie was an instant classic. When Elliot and Michael sneak E.T. out of the house on Halloween night, they disguise him as their kid sister in a ghost costume to avoid any adult suspicion. While on their way to phone home, E.T. sees a child in a costume that gets him excited, and he attempts to follow, exclaiming, Oh, oh, what costume does he see? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, an Ewok, B, Alf, C, Yoda, or is it D, Marvin the Martian? The Illudium Q36 Explosive Space Modulator. I'm not going to subject everybody to my Yoda impression here, but yes, it's Yoda. So certain are you. Yoda is correct. Here's a fun fact. This gag was a nod from Spielberg to his good friend and fellow movie maker, George Lucas. Lucas would later return the nod in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, when aliens that look like E.T. are briefly seen in the Galactic Senate. Judges, was that good enough reason to bring up Star Wars in uh, the prequel in the show? All right, cool. Nerds. <laughs> we try and shoehorn uh, Star Wars in just about every episode, so. Okay. Well, let's see if you're a book nerd, Lori, and we're going to ask you this <laughs> yes. question. Yes, spoiler. <laughs> Are you there, God? Did you know that Judy Bloom's books have often been called on to be banned by libraries, politicians, and even book critics? It should also be said that her books also helped young girls coming of age to understand taboo subjects like menstruation, sexuality, and puberty. So naturally, our parents were outraged. Who knew the lady who wrote, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, was so punk rock. <laughs> Bloom's books tackled a lot of subjects important to teenage girls. One in particular tackled bullying and took place largely during Halloween. What was the name of this book? This is a multiple choice for you, Lori, so you don't got to make that face at me. Is it A, <laughs> Tales of the Fourth Grade Nothing? B, Tiger Eyes? C, It's Not the End of the World? Or is it D, Blubber? 
I believe the answer is D, blubber. <laughs> blubber is correct. Well done. I forgot that book was set around Halloween now. So did I. Yeah. Well, we had to shoehorn it in for a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it fits no, somehow. No, yeah. it's yeah. good to know. I just forgot. It was requested that we have more literature questions on the podcast. So Judy Bloom seemed like a good one for it. Who requested that? Nerd. <laughs> that, that actually reminds me of the fact that Judy Bloom stopped writing children's books at a certain point, right about the time that we were in junior high, and she wrote a book called Forever. And this had graphic sex in it, and it was traded like cigarettes in prison at our school. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Another mark for Judy Bloom being punk rock. Well done. Here's the final pair of questions. Stefan, you get a pick between these two. Will it be, honey, I almost got the show canceled, which is a television question, or will it be, Sing your life. Sing your life. Gosh, I, you, you've stumped <laughs> me. I don't know what either of those are. So, well, I'll go with the first one. Honey, you almost got the show canceled. What do Halloween and sketch comedy have in common? Costumes. A hallmark of any good sketch comedy show is excellent costumes and makeup, along with the writing and acting. It's something Saturday Night Live has always prioritized for better or worse. When it premiered in 1975, Lauren Michaels, now king of network comedy, was often at odds with NBC executives who found them confusing at what he was trying to do. In the pilot episode, there was a sketch that was so unfunny, the executives demanded it be cut from the show. In turn, Michaels made sure that the costumes in that sketch made an appearance in almost every episode of season one, creating one of the first reoccurring bits on SNL. Here's your question. What was the costume donned by both regular and guest cast members? We're looking for the kind of costume. Maybe this multiple choice will trigger your brain. Was it A, were they dressed up as bees? B, was it land sharks? C, coneheads? Or was it D, wild and crazy Yugoslavians? We are two wild and crazy guys. I want to say it was bees. I'm taking a flyer here because I don't know for sure. You're saying B, land sharks? No, I'm saying it was A, bees. Wait, you say A, bees is correct? Or B, land sharks is correct? Oh, Gilligan. B is correct. Oh, phew. Here's your fun fact. The initial sketch was a relatively unmemorable one. It involved the cast dressed in bee costumes waiting in the maternity ward of the hospital to find out if they had fathered either a drone, a worker, or a queen. When Michaels decided to double down on the bees, they continued to show up in the other mundane sketches, even as the blues bees, when John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd performed a blues number in the costumes. Bee costumes became very popular choice for Halloween after 1975, believe it or not. Don't we feel like that is emblematic of almost every, it's carried over into every single season of Saturday Night Live ever since then? This The ideas are way funnier than the sketches themselves, 90% of the time. Imho. Wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely. And Lori, this last question is for you. It's called Sing Your Life. Sing Your Life. Stefan and Lori, other Sing Your Life, but now is your chance to shine. We have adapted our Senior Life game for this episode. And in this game, I will play a clip from a song and players must sing the next lines until the judges are satisfied with their performance. Don't worry, though. <laughs> if you heard the judges sing in previous episodes, then you know that the bar is set pretty low here. Players will take turns being given part of a song to listen to. And when the music stops, they'll start singing the next lines. Okay. 
There are three songs in total to sing, and you'll be awarded one point for singing the next line and one bonus point for naming the band or artist that sang the song. You're going to be so good at this. No, 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 no. Don't jinx me. Okay. I, I, I could crash and burn okay. quite easily. Just look at the last time he was on the show. <clears throat> I won, but it was a miracle. It was a miracle. I, I don't know how. That. So, Lori, when you hear the music stop, you start singing, and then we'll reveal the rest of the song, and then you'll have to tell me the band or artist. Okay. So we'll start with something easy. It's a dead man's party. It's only me. Don't be afraid of what you can see. I was struck by lightning. I was struck by lightning. Judges, is that good enough? Well done. <laughs> Yay. What's so mortifying is that Stefan's an actual musician, right? So I'm over I, here I, like, I, I am tone deaf. I, like, I, I play so one on TV. I'm not an It's so bad. Oh, my God. Lori, named that band or artist. Oingo Boingo. Well done. I don't know why I'm answering like the password is. Like, that's my voice. <laughs> it's your sexy using. voice. You're using your sexy voice. Yeah. It's my sexy game show voice. We need the downloads. So keep the sex appeal going. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Stefan, this one's for you. When the music stops, you start. I can't seem to face up to the facts. I'm tense and nervous and I can't relax. I can't sleep because my head's on fire. Psycho killer, I actually performed that song in front of my entire student body when we were seniors in high school, and no one will ever let me forget it. <laughs> Judges, can you agree with me that we shouldn't even do the reveal after he brought his own guitar to the episode? <laughs> well done. This might be difficult for you. Who sang that song? That is uh, David Byrne and Talking Heads. Well done. Of course, that's correct. Two you more really points. overachieved that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is a first. No one's ever played a guitar on the show before. Well done. That was done. a great job. Okay, Lori, here's the last question in the round. Uh, when the music stops, you start. Here we go. Stenches in the air, the funk of 40,000 years, and grisly goons from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, are you to make me do the the monologue? Oh no! No, that I don't rude. know that. That is rude. The Vincent Price monologue. For, I thought we were just going to kick it into the chorus because it's a thriller. Did you say you don't know this? I totally don't know it, but I will go. Whoa! <laughs> that's not. That's not his line. I give her half a point for that. No, that is not the next line. Stefan, that means this question goes to you. By all means, do you know the monologue? No. <laughs> no. Listen to it. You guys know this. Come on. You've got to 
Freaking Funkin' Jive. <laughs> something Creatures in the Neighborhood I, I, I or know. something. I don't know. I, I, I don't remember. No. You guys have both heard that song a thousand times each. Oh, and you don't remember. I just tuned that part out. 100%. I completely tuned the Vincent Price. Did, did you ever know that? I don't no. think I ever no. could repeat that. Okay. I'm going to reveal it right now, and you're both going to okay. go, oh, yeah, of course. Here we go. Nobody starts to shiver for no mortal can resist it. The, the power, evil uh, of the thriller. Everybody. <laughs> 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 I didn't even get half a point. I didn't get a pity point for the laugh. <laughs> Sad. The evil of the thriller. But the line before that, I, I don't know. We, well, we both. Shiver and thriller. There's your rhyme. Okay. I mean. Judges, are we going to give Lori a pity point for at least the laugh? One pity point. Well yes. done. Love it. I'm begging for points now. I love it. Who is that performed by? Do you mean Michael Jackson or Vincent Price? What is your answer, Lori? Michael Jackson performed Thriller, clearly. Well done. Vincent Price performed the monologue. <laughs> you know it. We'll give you the point. That, we'll um, the that question was rude. That was really hard. That was hard. Yeah. That's, a, that's a how dare you question. Yeah. How dare you? We're Gen Xers. We dare. Well played. Are you the judges? No, they're just right off screen. Oh, I see. I see. The camera doesn't, it's fixed. I can't, Uh, I pan it over to show you, but I can't. Suzanne, give us a point total, please. So we still have Stefan in the lead with 15, but again, Lori is right there within striking distance with 14. That means Stefan, congratulations. You have the most points at the end of round two. That means we're going to take a secret trip to the prize vault and you're going to pick prize that you're going to be playing for in round three. But before we do that, Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. We'll continue after these messages. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting world is by positive reviews and word of mouth among friends. So if you're inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. Now back to the program. Before we start round three, now it's the last chance to solve the power struggle question. Steal the power, score 20 points, and go first in round three. Remember, you need to name what the clip is from and in the correct order. Let's take our final listen to the power struggle, and then you need to give me your answers. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. But I've got chocolate sweeties for monstrous chocolate flavor. Well, I've got berry flavored sweeties for monstrous strawberry flavor. Say, ah! Now spit! Lori, you do not currently have the power, so you get to go first and you name those clues. Um, the first one is that song. Um, is it the power station or something? It's the are you going to do it? Song, right. Is it? I think maybe. I mean, I just um, want to remind you that you have your whatever lifeline. So if you're not sure. Yeah, I need idea. to use that on number five. So oh. <laughs> that's that's the best I could do for number one. You might want to use it on number one. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, did I get that wrong? Whatever. Okay, let me use the whatever lifeline. 
on number one, because what is that song? Whatever. Suzanne, can you give Lori a clue as to what clip number one is? Well, they say that you wouldn't want one of these to cross your path or else you'll have bad luck. A black cat? (laughs) Is that the name of the song? That's the name of the song. So if you know the name of the song, here's your clue for for who's saying it. Um, Her name ain't Baby. That's an excellent (laughs) clue. It's Janet Miss Jackson if you're nasty. Correct. Well done. Wait, I don't don't get that point because I don't even know what you're talking about right now. The song Black Cat by Janet Jackson was released in 1980. Is that what that song was? I don't know. I did not earn that point, you guys. No. (laughs) He gets all the power. No, 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 no. No, I absolutely you earned that. I still Uh, think that's the Are You Gonna Do It song. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No. (laughs) Lori, that's not going to be quite close enough. We got to edit that out a little bit. I agree with you. (laughs) I did not earn that point. You didn't earn it. I didn't get it. So, Steph, that means you retain the power. Two is Silence of the Lambs. Three is the Munsters. Four is something about blueberry or count chocolate or the the spooky cereal, right? And then five, I think, I think Little Shop of Horrors, the dentist, right? One thing I will say is that the uh, the guy Gary Owens, voice a legendary voiceover guy, uh, was the voice of Laugh-In. It's Rodan Martin's Laugh-In. Uh, was the voice of Count Chocula uh, for that commercial. If you listen closely, you hear that's the Laugh-In guy. Also, um, the name of the Steve Martin song, I think, was Son Be a Dentist. Uh, is, is that correct? I believe yeah, that's yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. All right. Cool. Not that I deserve any points because I don't. I just wanted to. I, I needed to scratch that itch. Let's let the judges decide whether you deserve any points. Does he deserve no, any no, points no. for that? No. Hey, they agree Absolutely. with you. No. You don't Absolutely deserve not. squat. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Thanks, judges. Thanks for nothing. So that means, Stefan, you have the power. You get to go first in round three. Round three. Round three is the prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, family feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think is the most popular response from the Gen X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via our newsletter. The player who has the power gets to answer first with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever ends up with the most points wins the game and goes on to claim the chance of their prize that Stefan has chosen in secret. If you'd like to take part in Dysfunctional Family Feud surveys, sign up for our newsletter on our website, and it will include a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. This game gets me so nervous, Abe. Oh, my God. I remember, I you know, I, you see people like on... on survey fam- says a cotton cloth. You see people on Family Feud, uh, and and they just blank in the moment. It's like you know, name a, a type of instrument, and they're like, Bah! I'm like, oh my god, that's me, that's me. So uh, be gentle, is what I'm saying. Lori, you're going to go into the Phantom Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. At some point, most teenagers felt too old to go trick or treating on Halloween. Name an activity they did on Halloween instead of trick-or-treating. Egging people's houses. Name a Gen X horror movie that had the most blood on screen. Oh, um, The Shining. What was the most common costume you saw in the 80s? 
Michael Jackson. What was the worst thing you got in your bag while trick-or-treating? Uh, licorice. And finally, what is the first song on your Gen X Halloween mixtape? The Thriller by Michael Jackson. Well done. Oh my God, she's totally going to crush me on this. Oh my God, I was so awful. Wow. Let's bring Lori back in from the Phantom Zone. Lori, I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Stefan. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this sound. And I'll ask you for another answer. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. At some point, most teenagers felt too old to go trick-or-treating on Halloween. Name an activity they did on Halloween instead of trick-or-treating. Toilet papering houses. Try again, Lori. Egging houses. Try again, Lori. (laughs) Um, Smashing mailboxes. Try again, Lori. What? Uh, uh, Stealing candy from little kids. I think all those things fell under the vandalism heading. Name a Gen X horror movie that had the most blood on screen. Friday the 13th. What was the most common costume you saw in the 80s? The ghost made out of a sheet with holes cut in the face. Crappy ghost? Crappy ghost. Okay. What is the worst thing you got in your bag while trick-or-treating? A rock. And finally, what is the first song on your Gen X Halloween mixtape? Oh, Monster Mash? Can I answer again? (laughs) (laughs) You have better answers? Yeah, well, a better. I, I've, I've got many better answers. A better now that I've been answer for number it. four is a razor blade inside candy. <laughs> inside right. an apple. Inside an apple. A razor blade inside a candy apple. Yeah, but nobody actually ever got that. No, they didn't. Never but once. We were all afraid of the same thing, right? right. One of those urban legends. Yeah. Never or happened. Like a, or like the you know the one old lady that would give out the popcorn balls, and your mom mm. would be like, "Do not even touch that." Or the yeah. dentist that would give out toothbrushes. Toothbrushes and dental yeah. floss. And then his house would get egg. Yeah. yeah. Right. If you're surprised that your house gets vandalized after you hand out crappy Halloween stuff, then that's on you, bro. Brother. Now let's go to the scores. I asked you, at some point, most teenagers felt too old to go trick-or-treating on Halloween. Name an activity they did on Halloween instead of trick-or-treating. Stefan, you gave us... Egging houses, which counts as vandalism, or 31 points. That was indeed our number one answer. Lori, you gave us stealing candy from kids like you do (laughs) for three points. At least I made the board. So for Stepin, we have a total of 46 points. And for Lori, we have 17. What would have been a better answer for that? Yeah, what were some of the other answers on that? So you did give the number one answer over and over again there, Lori. (laughs) Vandalism, right. So the number two answer, which was not given, which was go to Halloween or costume party. Oh, okay. You know, I thought of that much later. Who connects the dots between Halloween and costumes? So I can see why you didn't come up with that one. (laughs) We get information for the surveys from our listeners via our newsletter, and we get some interesting replies. So I'd like to give some honorable mentions to some of these entertaining answers. Honorable mention goes to attend a bogus Halloween alternative event at church. Well, isn't that special? Quote, a bit of the old ultraviolence. Oh, boy. (laughs) Orange. Orange reference. Well done. Jeez. And someone wrote, we played with a Ouija board and other satanic panic activities. Again, like you do. Like you do. Question two, name a Gen X horror movie that had the most blood on screen. Stefan, you gave us. The Shining for four points. Oh, that's a good one. 
That would have been my answer as well, Stefan. Thank you. Lori, you gave us... Friday the 13th for 19 points. Yes. Yep. It's going to tighten right up. So Stefan at 50 points and Lori at 36. She's creeping up closer. Nipping my heels. Honorable mentions go to the Gen Xers who clearly didn't understand the question and voted for E.T., Harry and the Henderson. Bad News Bears go to Japan. And finally, the movie Colors. Because there's a lot of bloods in that movie. (laughs) Yeah, but Bad News Bears Part 2 was a bloodbath, boy. Yeah, Walter Matthau just hitting those kids with bats over and over again. (laughs) Brutal. (laughs) Honey, don't you want to beat those bastards? (laughs) That was unexpected. I I didn't know it was coming either. (laughs) Question three was, what was the most common costume you saw in the 80s? Stefan, you give us... None other than Michael Jackson for one point. One point. (laughs) What did Lori give us, Suzanne? The amazing crappy ghost for three points. Oh, what was the number one answer? It had been Dracula. Am I right? The number one answer was Darth Vader slash Star Wars character. Oh, okay. All right. Nerds! (laughs) (laughs) Who thought crappy ghost would have three times as many replies? Crappy ghost is the best answer! It is. I agree. Are you fine with the protest, Lori? (laughs) Who can I write to? Let me speak to the manager. Sternly worded letter. Sternly worded letter. (laughs) Matter. Lots of honorable mentions for this one, as you might think. But we give the shout outs to Captain Kirk Masks, Hobo. I don't know why we thought it was appropriate to dress up <laughs> to as mock the homeless. homeless right? yeah. <laughs> I forgot all about Hobo. That was a good one. And finally, we had simply Karate Man. Because I'm a Karate Man. Karate Man rules on the inside. All right. You know, they, they, they say that everybody was Kung Fu fighting. I don't believe everybody. It. I can't believe it. <laughs> Once Stefan, I used to uh, dye his beard when he had a beard. And there was one beard dye that had really crappy reviews. And we went to the reviews to read what they were. And they said, only buy this if you're trying to go as a cheap hobo for Halloween. <laughs> That's what it <laughs> You all look like, like an Emmett Kelly painting. Yeah. Get this beard dye. My beard is gray, you see. I'm a Gen Xer. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to out <laughs> I think people know. Gray hair exists. We're, we're fine with that. Yeah. What was the worst thing you got in your bag while trick-or-treating? Stefan got... Licorice for 23 points. Ooh, wow. What, that's a who's point. making these rules? Licorice is delicious. I, have I think more to the point is black licorice. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's delicious. Judges? <laughs> Lori, you gave us the reply of... A rock. Four zero points. It did not make our survey. That's lame. Apparently, we did not survey Charlie Brown for this. <laughs> it's too bad. The number one answer was apples slash fruit, which is actually the opposite of what we wanted while we we're out trick or treating. Correct. Did anybody say razor blades, though? <laughs> <laughs> That's dark. Well, here's our honorable mentions. We'll find out. We had uncracked walnuts. What? <laughs> Where do these people live? <laughs> Someone said a small carton of chocolate milk. <laughs> oh, God. Warm, warm yeah. chocolate milk. <laughs> a milk bone dog treat was given in one person's bag. Some crazy person wrote a coupon for a free Slurpee, which I, I mean, I'll take that. Free How are you going to catch every that? time? Yeah. Right. Another honorable mention is a fake $100 bill with Bible quotes printed on it. Oh, <laughs> and finally, the terrifyingly vague entry of homemade quote stuff. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Homemade stuff. Oh, this is why the parents would monitor your things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they go, go empty Don't the bag. Don't get all your candy. Oh, that looks And then sus. you got to pay the parent tax. Always right? got to pay the parent tax. 
My mom would always take the baby Ruth, which I didn't like anyway. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was okay. because of that scene from Caddyshack. Right. <laughs> no, probably not. I don't think she ever saw that. So Stefan has taken a large leap forward with 74 points and Lori with 39. I'm going to steal your prize anyway. That's fair. That's totally fair. It all comes down to our final question. What is the first song on your Gen X Halloween mixtape? Stefan, you gave us Thriller for the number one answer. 36 points. Which means, Lori, you gave us Monster Mash, which I believe was the number two. Zabe, number two answer for 23 points. Yay! That's not quite enough, Lori. I'm sorry, but that means you, Stefan. Congratulations. You've won the game and you're doing your part to save Generation X. Well done. Thank you for not asking me any more Smith's questions. <laughs> I, could, I felt a little sense of redemption here. So, Lori, I'm sorry things didn't turn out better for you on the show, but did you have a good time anyway? I had a wonderful time. Good. Thanks for playing. It's fun to reminisce about the old Halloween days, though, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. The hobo costume was <laughs> That brought it all classic. back. Brought yeah. it all back. God, nobody's dressing up as a hobo anymore, right? That's <laughs> right. just tacky. <laughs> For winning the game, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Stefan until I am the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I'll buy that item and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes Stefan had to choose from, and then we'll reveal what was chosen. As is show tradition, we have a Garbage Pail Kid, Lori of the Rings, showing a golem-like character, admiring a collection of disembodied ringed fingers. We also have Stuffed Stefan, showing the characters sucking on a can of Ready Whip until it's coming out of every orifice. And I mean every orifice. <laughs> hi <laughs> Gross. To honor Silence of the Lands, we have a listing for 35 fava bean seeds ready to plant in your garden. We'll supply the beans. You have to supply the slurping noises. And also the human liver. Yes, that doesn't hurt either. Next, we like to have something weird every episode, and for Halloween, we picked a haunted clown stone effigy, authentic ancient artifact, Pennywise oddity. At least that's what the listing reads. This oddity looks like Stephen King's Pennywise the Clown from It, but to me, it just looks like a rock. (laughs) Some sort of rock version of a crystal skull from Indiana Jones. The claim that it's haunted is a hoax, just like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was a hoax and does not exist. Too bad the Jovitos don't know you the way I do. Also, it says condition used. What on earth? (laughs) (laughs) No Gen X Halloween episode would be complete without an offering of a vintage costume featuring a vinyl tarp and cheap plastic mask. This one is of Martin Short's character of Ed Grimley Jr. It is very nostalgic, I must say. I must say. <laughs> Next is a 1982 E.T. Collector Series uh, drinking glasses from Pizza Hut. You can get these prizes from Pizza Hut and not have to read a dozen books to get them. <laughs> Next is a Hollywood Video Rental Store VHS cassette sleeve for the movie An American Werewolf in London. The sleeve is empty, so you can recreate the disappointment you had back in the 80s when the movie you wanted was was unavailable and you had to settle for Beastmaster instead. (laughs) And finally, we have an original art piece of a, quote, sexy Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that artwork is classic. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. The drawing is a buff Sir Anthony Hopkins wearing only a jockstrap wielding a bloody police baton and snuggling up with what looks like a crying lamb. This, my friends, is true art. 
Wow. Wow. Uh, look at no, that six like, pack. He's got a six pack. No, it's like a combination of uh, Buffalo Bill and oh, Hannibal Lecter. Right. I think it, it's like a, it's it a morphed mashup. into, well, yeah, it's there a mashup. Go. It's a mixtape. It, it is without the uh, strategic tuck. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, please reveal to us what you picked and why. I picked stuff, Stefan, because I didn't know it existed. I mean, I'm very excited. I'm so excited for this. Let's place a bid. <laughs> <laughs> this is really happening. This is phenomenal. Max bid, $5. Your maximum bid is $5. Yeah. This is not don't, worth don't more than $5. More. Don't yeah. pay more than 5 Hey, we're the top bidder at $5. <gasps> what do you know? And wow. free shipping. Wow, I think that might be the first time we've ever had free shipping. Nice. That's going to cost that person money to send it to you. It is. With free shipping. <laughs> if this bids hold up until the end of the auction, then I'll ship it out to you, Stefan. Good luck. Thank you, brother. Brother. Hey, guys, do you have any shout outs or plugs that you'd like to announce here on the show? Stefan, thanks for being on the show. What do you got? Well, thank you for having me, Zabe. Um, total blast, man. Um, so, you know, I'm terrible at self-promotion. I have, as Lori mentioned, I am a musician and I have a ton of stuff online. Zabe, I believe you'll have links in the show notes. And then Lori and I, we do host a weekly game show. It's kind of invite only. But um, yeah, that's kind of what, what we got going on. What do you got going on, babe? I write books. So if you would like to learn something, I think you should buy those books. Uh, the, the series I'm on right now is called Funny You Should Ask. And I have Funny You Should Ask how to make a website, uh, how to publish books, how to market books, how to how to publish low content books, like mm -hmm. books and stuff like that. And then I have one coming out very soon, how to do search engine optimization. Nice. So I basically take uh, boring technical subjects and make them funny. And she does uh, and she mm -hmm. does it uh, superbly well. And uh, you can find all those books on my website, lauricolwell.com. Listeners, you can find all the links and details to my guests in the show notes for this episode. Stick around at the end. We're going to listen to a rad Gen X song written and performed by Stefan that we think you'll enjoy as much as we did. I have one shout out to give. I'd like to give a shout out to Patreon supporter Penny, a.k.a. Pi. Thank you, Pi, for being a supporter of the show for several months now. We appreciate your support in helping us make our dreams come closer to reality of making this podcast a full-time deal for us and bring you more episodes more frequently. Here's a sound clip from the movie Overboard in your honor that we hope you especially like. My children are in need of medical assistance, and you can sit here and smugly lecture me on the importance of tests, tests which exist to pigeonhole children's potential, a thing which cannot possibly be measured, least of all by anal compulsive Huns. And my husband may be a large child, but that's none of your business. And my children may be rotten, but they're mine. And I think that they're bright and sensitive so I have no doubts whatsoever about their intelligence. I do, however, have serious doubts about yours. My regards to Schwartzman and Heineken. I can't stop itching. Thank you for checking out the show. We know we have a vast ocean of choices for your podcasting enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you've spent a little time on our show. Thank you. If you like what we're doing here and you want to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. At our Patreon site, you'll see special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take advantage of those if you're interested. If you'd like, you can head over to who will save Gen X.com to learn all about the ways you can do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten. But if you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I promise to write you back with all the details you could ever want. You can reach me or any of the judges at who will save Gen X at gmail.com. In either case, thanks so much for listening. 
Well, that's it for the episode. We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Okay, so Best Buy is disrupting uh, wandering around the store because mm. they don't want you browsing anymore, right? So I go into Best Buy because I need some cable. And they're like, hey, what can we help you with? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm just going to go over and grab my thing I need. And they're like, no, that's not how we work anymore. You give us your name. And then when we have a person that can help you, we uh, it's, it's like a concierge. And I'm like, I don't need that. I just need <laughs> to wander over there and get the cable. And the guy in front of me goes, I know, I had to give him my name too. And then the concierge guy comes up and he goes, Todd? Who's who's Todd? And the guy in front of me goes, I'm Todd. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's a Gen X guy right there. <laughs> There's no more Todd's. Nobody's naming their kid Todd anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, come home to step in. And I'm telling him this story about this disruption. And then I'm like, I don't know. I just was telling you, like, there's no more Todd's anymore. And I immediately picked up my guitar. Yeah. And wrote the song. Yeah. And it sounded a little something like this. Like this.
of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.